This is another MP3 podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle, Australia. Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here, and we've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. But later in the program, we'll have a look at some of those little business tips and uh, ideas that will help to grow your business. We're also talking with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre about presenting in your business. How do you present both formally and informally? But right now, we're going to cross over to Craig McGregor from Retain HR, and we're going to talk about interviewing. Good afternoon, Craig. G'day, Julian. How are you going today? I'm good. Yourself? Well, we're interviews. I mean, obviously, a, a lot of people are new to interviewing. They, uh, they they decide I'm going to employ someone. I better interview someone. What sort of steps would they consider in that process? Yeah, look, it, it really is. It's um, a very important part of the recruitment process, and I think a lot of people, um, yeah, probably misjudge or underestimate how important that process is. It's the usually the first or second point after someone's replied to a a job ad that they actually get to see your business. So you need to convey yourself in a professional environment, but also you need to conduct it most effectively so you end up with the right person and that you don't breach any of the laws that are associated with doing these things. So I presume having an idea, a plan before you start is is important? Yeah, most definitely. Planning before the interview is is underestimated, but it is really the key to the success of the interview. So you need to really ensure that the people who are doing the interview understand uh, the key criteria of the role. And so I suppose when someone's probably drafting the job ad is when they probably sit down and and write down what those key criteria are. But at the interview stage, you really need to go through those. And and my advice to clients is even the smallest job, you should be able to create at least 10 to 15 key areas that are important to make sure that the, the role is successful. And those are the areas that you need to start to, you know, engage or create some questions that you want to ask those candidates at interview stage. And the environment that the interview is held in, that, that's important too, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. You, if you remember back in whenever you went for a, for a job interview, um, how nervous you would be, if you can have uh, the most professional and also confidential environment as possible, um, you'll get a much better result out of the candidates. You know, people um, applying for roles, they don't want their current employer to find out, so interviewing in, a, in an open plan or interviewing where other people can see who's coming in for interviews, it does create some issues um, for that potential employee. That's an interesting point you've made there, uh, people watching who else is coming in for the interview. Uh, uh, obviously, if, you, if it's in an in area that people already know about, um, they, they probably already know themselves, each other, so uh, it's important to try and hide that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. small town like Newcastle um, and also industries, if you work in a, a fairly niche industry and, and skills that you're looking for are, are rare or in supply, then you know, you're more than likely going to be interviewing someone from a, a competitor or someone in your industry, so people are going to know who those people are. And that confidentiality issue is, is a big one when it comes to making sure that your candidate is confident in the process. Now, uh, obviously, one of the challenges that new interviewers have is uh, what sort of questions should I ask? Yeah, it is. And, and look, going back to that key criteria and making sure that you align your questions with that criteria is essential. But look, um, one of the tips, and we've all probably heard the phrase behavioural interviewing is, is a bit of a catchphrase at this, this point in time, but behavioural interviewing is where you know, the interviewer is searching for the truth about the applicant's work behaviour, as, as that sort of behaviour is the, the best example of how they can uh, work or how their behaviour is going to be uh, repeated in, uh, in future business. So my, my advice to clients is, is 
ask as many open-ended questions as possible, but also ask for valid, um, you know, start your questions with tell us or give us an example of um, a time when you had to deal with a certain co- uh, component of the criteria so that that, that interviewee can, can give you the, um, uh, the response that's not an exaggeration or, or something that you think you want to hear. It's something that they've done or that they've behaved in the past so that you can see if that's an indicator of what they're going to do in the future. It's very hard to, to find out people's attitudes, though, isn't it, in, in interviewing? Yeah, definitely. Look, it's, um, it's one of those intu- intuitive things um, to find out about attitude. Uh, reference checking is probably a great source when you're doing your recruitment process of, of, of finding out that sort of information from a previous employer. But at interview, look, you can uh, ask certain questions to find out about how they've dealt with negative situations, and I think those things usually will, will give you a bit of an, um, an advice or an indication of how they would work or what their attitude is. And also, uh, when I'm uh, helping people uh, prepare for job interviews, I always suggest that they have a couple of their weaknesses up their sleeve because uh, employers do ask what your weaknesses are, and if you say, I don't have any, um, I mean, everybody's got weaknesses, haven't they? Yeah, that's right. You know, And and look, being open and honest from a job seeker's perspective is, is the only way to approach it, and my advice to candidates when I talk to them is, um, you know, we only get one shot at life, and if you're in the wrong role and you're not enjoying what you're doing, then you know you're wasting your precious time on this earth. So, by you know being false or indicating things uh, that aren't true in an interview, you might end up in the wrong job. So, from that candidate perspective, yeah, open, open and honest feedback and open and honesty in the interview is, is important. Now, there's a there's a whole range of doing interview, one on one panels and so forth. Uh, how would you su- suggest that people go around deciding who would be involved in an interview? Yeah, look, it, it probably does depend on the role itself, but I, I'm a fan of both. Um, the one-on-one interview is, is probably more relaxed for the candidate. You know, it's not as intimidating have, having multiple people stare at you from the other side of the table, but the advantage of the panel interview is that you can be specific in terms of who asks what questions. There might be specialists in the field in, in asking certain questions, and you can also dedicate you know, note-taking to, to one of the panellists so that everyone else can be engaged in the process and someone else is jotting down the notes that the respondent is giving you. But the, the key thing, I think, is having the right people in the job mm. interview. And, mm. and um, you need to make sure that the people who are, who are going to be engaged or supervising this, this new candidate, they need to be a part of that decision-making process, that they need to be engaged in the recruitment side, but, but making sure that they make the decision on who's coming on board. Because if you've got a supervisor that's engaged, they'll put more time and effort into this new employee rather than if the boss just says... Here you go, Fred. Here's your new employee, Jill. Uh, good luck. I can remember many years ago when Apple were were, were coming out with the uh, the Mac computer. Yeah. They had everybody in their whole organisation interview a new person. Okay. And uh, I've seen, you know, on, in a smaller firm, it's not a bad idea because you know the half a dozen people are there. They've all got to get on, haven't they? Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, I've seen it happen on a number of occasions where people who weren't engaged in the process but are part of a major part of that, that role's make-up in the workplace and, you know, from week one, the two personalities clash. Well, that's, that's not good for either party. Right. Now, now, there are obviously legal aspects to interviewing too, isn't there? Yeah, look, the Discrimination Act and, and various federal and, and state laws are probably the most applicable to, um, to interviewing. You know, the, the obviously obvious ones there is that you can't ask questions regarding you know, age, disability, race, sex, you know, political views, all those sorts of things. But I think 
think um, that one of the most important things for small business to recognise is they need to make sure that those people who are conducting interviews for them uh, are trained and, and have a knowledge of that because, you know, under the vicarious liability, um, your employer, the employer of the organisation, could be liable for acts made by um, you know, people within the organisation. So mm. if someone does discriminate, it's eventually going to be the employer or the company that's going to be sued. Mm, and I know there are still companies out there who do ask some of those questions because I've, I've had feedback on that. Yeah, for sure. It's, um, it's a, a, not, not a very good line to take. And look, from the candidate's perspective, no one wants to hear those different things either. So uh, most, all you're going to do is yeah, break the law but also turn off candidates. So, so in summary, we've really, we really got to think carefully about the job that we're uh, interviewing for and plan accordingly to make sure it goes smoothly. Yeah, that's right. You know, allow sufficient time, make sure you're organised, make sure that you're most professional, uh, you're giving the most professional uh, interview as possible because at the end of the day in this employment uh, short marketplace, the candidate is interviewing you as much as you're interviewing the candidate. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Craig. No worries, We'll talk to you again another time. Excellent. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Craig McGregor there from Retain HR, helping us with a few little tips and trip traps for interviewing. And you're listening to 2NURFM 103.7, Business, the Law and You, 24 minutes past one. It's time to cross over and have a chat with Brett Gleeson from the Business Growth Centre. Good afternoon, Brett. Hi, Julian. Thank you for joining us again. We're going to talk today about presenting our business, and obviously there are many facets to presenting the business. What would be some of those? Well, it's something that business people do all the time, I guess, and they don't probably recognise that they're doing it. But even when you're talking to you know to small groups or uh, networking, but even one-on-one discussions, you know, and you start talking about your business, you're actually presenting your business, and and obviously you know, things like your customers and your clients, uh, you're presenting very much to them all the time. And uh, but if you're in a meeting or if you're talking to your suppliers. And even your social contacts, you're always, you know, once you make, once the word, you know, the business comes up, you, uh, you know, you're actually there as an ambassador of your of your business. So it's uh, it's it's everywhere you go, uh, sort of, unless you're on, you know, on holidays in the, in um, far away from home, then uh, you probably can switch off. But apart from that, it's <laughs> it's a pretty constant. Even then, at petrol stations and things, when I've been wearing my uh, logo, uh, uh, conversations come up. So uh... absolutely, that's right. Yes, <laughs> little little triggers all the time, and uh, that's good ways of uh, you know, a bit of branding there. But it's it's, it's a good way of triggering uh, triggering conversation. Conversation. Yeah. Uh, what do I need to do to make a good impression then? Well, I think you could start with that. Uh, what we talked talk about the fifteen second elevator speech. You know, you've got fifteen seconds between uh, ground floor and the fourth floor or fifth floor, and uh, if someone asks you, you know, what what do your business do, and you've got 15 seconds to uh, to tell them, you've got to yeah, you know, that's a, a good a good way of looking at it and uh, getting a good sharp message across. So the, the three C's come to mind, you know, being concise, being confident, and being very clear about what you do, mm. and, uh, and don't try and make it too uh, too complicated. And uh, you can always tell someone who's who's you know good at this because they're very engaging, yeah. even on a one-to-one basis, and, and that passion sort of and drive comes through and they're very proud of their, of their business, business yeah. and uh, that's that's important and but the, the caution there is not to overdo it you know don't try and uh, do you know, a thousand words to a minute in uh, in 15 seconds that uh, you can you can um, overdo it and likewise if you've got someone for a bit of time don't chew their ear for, you know, for an hour <laughs> on some intricate detail of your business so it's a so uh, read read the read the signals, read the body language, read the, you know, if they're engaged, then you'll be should be able to tell that. But the, 
and, and importantly, you know, be honest about your business. Mm. And, uh, don't don't overstate it. Don't don't blow it up to be more than what it actually is, uh, because you're going to let people down to, to be a bit disappointed when they actually find out what the reality is. So it's a, so there's a yeah sort of a, a few little uh, little links there. Well, the other side of it, of course, is the public speaking, and the number one fear in the Western world is public speaking. And number yeah. three fear is death. It's so amazing. it's amazing. Yeah, yep. got a few tips there on formal presentation. Yeah, I think if you're in a formal situation, then I, I guess come out from the point of view of you're investing your time in that particular task. So uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity to, to uh, have speak to a captured audience for you know, maybe 10 minutes. It could be half an hour. Uh, so take it from that point of time. Don't take it as you know, anything else other than an investment in your, in your business. Three things are really important, Julian. Preparation. Mm-hmm. Preparation. And more preparation. Um, these things, you, yeah, unless you're very good at it, you shouldn't be trying to wing it. Mm. Uh, and uh, that takes many years of experience, as you as you know, to be able to be yeah. at that stage. And if you're at that stage, then that's that's a great. But but uh, I guess a few things is is know what your topic you're going to talk about. Know how much time you've got, and and certainly don't run over time, and don't try and co- put too much content into mm. the uh, the presentation. Um, the old KISS principle, you know, keep it simple. Um, and but again, uh, if you've got all that preparation involved, then you will be confident and you will be engaging. You can be a little bit jovial. I think people like that when you're a little bit lighthearted, a bit jovial. Uh, sometimes people go a little bit overboard with the humour uh, and they use humour too much, incorrect, incorrectly and too much uh, and sometimes disrespectfully as well. So mm. If you're going to use humour, be cautious about the humour you use, be careful about that. Um, and be respectful in your humour as well, um, and, yeah, and stick to the topic. And if you can, um, you know, take take questions at the end rather than being interrupted. And for those people who uh, like to use technology and particularly the PowerPoint, um, if you're using PowerPoint, check your venue out first. Uh, make sure that the, it's going to work in that venue with your lighting, uh, and uh, don't overdo it with a number of slides. Uh, get the font size big so the people at the back are actually don't require binoculars to actually see what the font size is. Mm. Uh, and a, a couple of dot points, two or three, four dot points per slide, uh, no long text. Um, uh, you, all you want is a few prompt points that you can talk to and the, the, the people can remember you know, three or four words as dot points. Okay. Uh, they won't remember a whole paragraph uh, sort of thing. So, um, mm. and, uh, yeah, and again, um, run through or do your preparation. Once you've written it, Go through it, and you know, um, if you've got someone you can be a guinea pig, then that's that's a, a bonus as well. So, it's a, so yeah, so there's a few good ways to make sure that you present your business, but you're doing it all the time. You're doing it when you don't realise yes, you're doing yes, it. Yes, yes, exactly. So very, very important. Thank you. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Brett. Pleasure, Julian. And we'll talk to you again next week about uh, what we're talking about: the importance of researching to your business. Yes, and that's both internal research and external research and, uh, and, and initial and ongoing as well. So that's a, a good topic. And, of course, as always, you, uh, as a not-for-profit organisation to small business, you've got training courses to help all these areas that we talk about. We, we do, we do, and we've got actually a couple for presentation. We've got uh, making a presentation on the next, next year, next Thursday on the 17th, and okay. then we've got a one-day workshop on developing your uh, your business image on the 7th of, uh, of April. So. Uh, Always a good opportunity for people, business people to, uh, to, to refine their skills and upgrade their skills. Great. Well, thanks for your time. We'll talk to you next week. Great. Bye-bye. Thanks, Julian. Cheers. Bye. Brett Gleeson there from the Business Growth Centre, helping us to understand uh, how to present our business. We'll come back with more in a moment. Well, it's time to have a look at our business tips today, and we're having a look again from the Harvard Business Review. The right, uh, find the right time to become an entrepreneur. 
It takes a lot of bravery to open up your own shop or finally pursue your own big ideas. The risks of entrepreneurship are many, but for those who are successful, the benefits are plentiful. Here are three questions to ask yourself before striking out on your own. Do you have an idea? It can't just be any idea. It has to be something you feel deeply passionate about and no one can take you out of it because they will try or talk you out of it, I should say. Do you have a trusted partner? Starting a business can be lonely. Doing it with someone else, especially if she has a complementary skills, can make the road smoother and more fun. And do you, you uh, have the best structure? For many, this is the biggest challenge. If you thrive where there is no clear path and lots of uncertainty, it may be time to foster your inner entrepreneur. And what about three ways to balance bossing with empowering? Good bosses strike a careful balance between telling people what to do and empowering them to do their own things. Struggling with this balance is common, especially for new managers. Here's three ways to let others take ownership while giving them what they need. First of all, make goals clear. Your job is to make sure the team understands its objectives, but leave it up to the team members to decide how to achieve those goals. Secondly, share leadership. Identify informal leaders among the group who can take on roles such as heading up ad hoc task forces and arranging off-site meetings. And thirdly, ask for solutions, not problems. When your team members encounter an obstacle, ask them to come to you to explain the problem and present a proposed solution. Encourage them to problem solve before asking for your perspective. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you enjoyed the program. We've looked at interviewing techniques with Craig McGregor and also presenting your business with Brett Gleeson. Next week, we'll look at the importance of researching your business with Brett Gleeson. We'll also chat with Dave Sheeran from WorkCover about the consultation process and look at some more tips that will motivate you and help you improve your business. I'd love your company at the same time next week for Business, the Law and You. Until then, have a safe and prosperous week. And as James Barry once said, nothing is really work unless you would rather be doing something else.